before. But auto-targeting campaigns are a goldmine. Like, they are so awesome because, first of all, they... Hey, wanted to talk a few moments about some sponsors. Scope from Seller Labs, um, when's the last time you created a listing, right? And when you create that listing, you've got to come up with the keywords, right? It's all keyword dependent. I don't care if it's uh, private label or wholesale. You've got to get it right. Well, what's the best way to get it right? If you're selling a similar product that's really successful, you go and you take and use their keywords. And that's what Scope does for you. It's a phenomenal tool brought to you again by Seller Labs, the leaders in technology uh, when it comes to Amazon right now. They are just crushing it with all their products. But Scope allows you to get that listing right. Get ranked for those keywords as fast as possible. Therefore, you get the sales. So, Go to sellerlabs.com forward slash scope. Use the code word momentum. Save a little bit of money. Get some free keywords to test. Try it out and see if you see an improvement. If you don't, adjust. What's cool about what I love about uh, Seller Labs is that you then message and say, hey, I didn't get this right, Tyler. Hey, Jeff, this isn't working right. What am I doing wrong? And boom you're going to get the help you need. And that's what you're going to get from Seller Labs. And, and it's a very special group. They've been very, I've been very fortunate to be connected with them. And again, I look over time, they've delivered every single time. You know, same thing I can say for Karen from Solutions for E-Commerce. I mean, she's been carrying my account for a couple of years now, um, and our account, my wife and I, and she really does handle things for us. Um, I mentioned uh, just last week, we created a new listing with forget how many variations. But again, all the flat files uploaded, done as I needed. I pop in, so she'll send me a template. I pop in some information and then boom, it's handled. Oh wait, these pictures weren't done right, blah, blah, blah. This UPC needs it. Boom, modified, adjusted. And again, the communication's been phenomenal too. I get an email pack saying, hey, this was done or this, you're missing this, Steve. Hey, you got to do this. So, you know, we have those challenges too. And that's why I like working with somebody who's been doing it and been doing it for a long time. Did you know Karen also does listings for eBay? Yep, lots of them. So if you want to build out that channel, which of course you should, it's Q4, you should be selling everywhere you can, um, Karen can help you with that too. So you got to tell her I've sent you. So you're going to go to solutions for e-commerce forward slash momentum. You're going to save 50 bucks every single month. You're going to save that $50. But more importantly, you're going to get an inventory health report. Um, did you just get hit with monthly long-term storage fees? Well, guess what? If you haven't, they're coming. You want to get that inventory right, and she can help you with that. You got to tell her I sent you. Again, solutions, the number four, e-commerce forward slash momentum will get you into that. Save the 50 bucks. Get that inventory health report, though. That's really, really important. Get that going right away. And I don't want to miss my coach when it comes to retail orb or online orb. When I have a question, and I do. Not that we don't, we don't really do much of it anymore. But when I do have a question, I go to Gay Lisby. Because why? Because she's really... She is a coach. I mean, she's really phenomenal, but she also puts out a daily list and you're going to get that list five days a week. You're going to get tons of leads. The number of uh, agreed to amount that you're supposed to get, she, she usually gets to those in the four days. And then the fifth day seems to be a bonus most of the time. Phenomenal group, small amount of uh, buyers where this list is going to. And the best thing is the nuggets that you learn. Hey, why is the red one better than the blue one? Gate can help you with those questions. I saw, hey, I got, um, I got a, the dreaded letter about a brand. Here's the, here's the way you approach it. Hey, receipts. Um, how do you? What's the best practice? I saw her leading instructions, teaching me, the accountant, how to do a better job with it, and it's phenomenal. So it's Gay Lisby's um, a million dollar selling. Um, I'll have the link in here. 
you've got to use um, the my my link, and, and it does help me. I don't want to say it that way, but um, it's part of Amazing Freedom with Andy Slamins, Lee Ron, Hirschkorn, and Nate Slamins, so you know you can trust them, okay? So come out to the website, take a look at it, and you will get uh, savings, and you can get two weeks free right now. Only through my link, you get two weeks free. Try it. You don't like it? I get it. Back off. But right now is the time to make money. Get cash flow going right now. And so join. You get two weeks free. The only way you're going to get the two weeks free is if you use my link. It's on this episode. Come on out and give it a try. You will not be disappointed. Again, you're going to see me in there. So reach out if I can help you too. Let's get into the podcast. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. This is episode 348, Edward Ruffin. Most people won't know him by that name. You might know him by PPC Ed or Ed from Seller Labs. And this is all going to be about advertising. So if you're bored to death listening to advertising stuff, I'm going to bore you some more. But what I've asked them to do is to really go through and talk about it, I think, in a way that I understood. <laughs> and I, that's my frame of reference. If I can understand it, I'm sure every single person listening to this can understand it. And so that's I, I try to break things down to make sure that I got every single word that he didn't go glossing over me. And I don't feel like he did. I think he did a really, really strong job. Um, what's cool to me is that he's been there three years. And you'd be like, oh, he's a young guy. But three years in advertising on Amazon means that you're a warrior because some of the stuff is has only been started in the last year or two. A whole bunch of it, a whole bunch of what's working is really been started within the last year or two. And so uh, we're getting an expert who's been doing it. Um, the other thing to understand about Edward is that he runs um, a whole bunch of campaigns, like a lot of campaigns for some very large, sizable companies. Um, you want to go check out sellerlabs.com forward slash ignite, and you'll see a couple companies in there, Deathwish Coffee, Vermont Teddy Bear, and there's other ones. You know, So these campaigns are run by these guys, and they, you know, they're doing it right, right? And so what you get the benefit of is you get to hear what's working, right? Uh, I asked for best practices, so he's going to talk about what's working. Now, we don't get into specific client stuff, but it, you know, the inference is this is what's working. And I just think that that's powerful. I'm always saying go best practice. You know, if you're going to do it, might as well do it right. So really, really strong. Let's get into the podcast. All right, welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. Very excited about today's guest because it's the time of year that I think we need to, you know, not really get back to basics because I, this is definitely going to be a little more advanced. But it's definitely how you can take what you're doing. So let's assume you've already sourced your product. Hopefully by now you've got your product in, or you're getting your product in. You have a plan to get that product into Amazon, right? And we're specifically going to talk about Amazon, but I, I imagine these would apply semi to like an eBay or your own website, especially a Shopify store. But you've got your product in, and now you're sitting there saying, okay, how do I maximize my sales versus my competitor's sales? How do I get found when I'm in a broad category? I sell in a gift category, for example. How do I get found in there when I'm selling against all these other types of gifts? And so we decided to bring in an expert. Um, they call him PPC Ed, um, <laughs> Edward Ruffin from Seller Labs, good friend. And they are sponsors of my show. I understand that. But this approach is really to help you um, really benefit this, that effort. You've done all the work, you've gotten it in. And again, we're now ready to take it to that next level. And so I've asked uh, Seller Labs to send their expert, um, Edward, and it's Edward Ruffin. Um, and I'm very, very excited, very fortunate to have him here. Welcome, Edward. Yeah, thank you very much. Very excited to be here. Uh, really excited to talk about advertising. It's definitely what I do all day, every day. And I love every second of it, hands down. Well, 
I'm all about best practice um, because, you know, somebody else, well, first off, we all, we would all agree. And quite frankly, everybody in my life would agree. There are a lot smarter people than me. Right. And so for me, I hate reinventing the wheel because I want to tweak. I don't want to have to start fresh all the time because it just takes so long to get caught up. Mm-hmm. And in today's day and age, um, I think, I think that's why I like like your company and I like what you guys do because it's, again, it's that best practice thing. I'm always looking for somebody who's doing it. And so you're running a lot of campaigns for a lot of people and you've been doing it for several years. And, you know, I was thinking about this. Um, you've, been, you've been three years there, correct? Yeah, coming up on three years. Okay, so three years, 100% of your, your job was, is this. And Amazon advertising, it's been around a little bit longer than that, but there have been new ones that have been introduced in your time frame, correct? Right, yeah. There's been some you know, newer methods that have come down the pipeline or ones that have become more accessible to people, uh, such as you know, the headline search ads. And you know, of course, AMS has been there, but there's just different methods. And the way it looks now is a little different too. So it's always developing and changing sometimes month by month. And you have to be ready to kind of, you know, just roll with the changes and learn them as fast as possible and learn how to use them effectively for all your products that you're offering. It's it's like an adaptation. So you're like a pioneer, to be honest. <laughs> no, it's just because you've been in it. And, you know, all of us who do it, and we I run ads, but we give it X percent of our time. I mean, that's to be fair. That's true, you know, because I've got right. to source products or in my case, I've got wholesale coming in or I've got bundles or I've got some private label. I've got to do all those things. Plus, we have a big merchant fulfilled. So I only have so much time to give it where you're 100 percent. So I just want to make sure that we understand that he's an expert at it because for three <laughs> years he's done nothing but. So let's first let's first uh, get a little bit of background how you got to Seller Labs. Yeah, so I actually uh, I've I worked in retail for quite some time. Um, I've really enjoyed sales. I've enjoyed you know talking with people, and I worked in technology for a while. You know, selling computers, working on computers. Nerd. Yeah, I know, hundred percent. I am hundred percent guilty of being a nerd. Uh, but it got to a point where I just um I was kind of getting tired of the actual just selling the product and just you know working on it, and I wanted to learn more about software. Um, because software is such a different field. You know, it's way different from just selling something that you can actually hold. And I was really, you know, attracted to Solar Labs uh, because it's actually here in the town that I live in, Athens, Georgia. And I actually had someone else who was working here and I was able to actually get an interview. And right away, I was just blown away with the culture of the company and really just, you know, how everybody else here is kind of a nerd, too. And I fit right in. And I moved over to software. I started working with Solar Labs and... Eventually, I really worked my way into the advertising ecosystem as we launched one of our newer tools, Ignite, and I was kind of on the the beta team for that. And I was working with the, the kind of the development team for building out Ignite, and that just really threw me right into the fire, really, uh, to learn all about you know advertising on Amazon. And I had to take it and learn it as fast as I could. And I would never have done anything different. I definitely do not regret anything that I've done with Solar Labs or what I'm doing in the future. I'm very excited to be here. What was attractive to you about the advertising? Is it the fast pace or the ability, maybe it's this way, if I say it this way, the ability to actually affect change and see it? Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, so the fast pace, like aspect of it is definitely something that's always been really attractive because it's always changing and you have to constantly learn and understand the new advancements in it. And I love that. And then also just, yeah, like the way that you can really, in some theory, like control what people see. And Mm -hmm. it's like a way to really influence like, you know, shoppers on Amazon. And I've always been attracted by that because I'm actually like really into science fiction 
And it's just really cool to see how like all these ideas of advertising that you see in these older films and movies and books, they are kind of taking place today where like you can actually make sure that you're targeting people that are looking for a similar product or they're trying to find something that you may be selling on Amazon. And you have that, I like, you have that influence on them to control what they see, how they see it, and where they even see it as well on Amazon. Well, can can you give me an example? Because I'm sitting here thinking about that. You know, the old days. You know, how do you get? You know, it was general merchandise, right? So they have this giant store, and everybody would walk through, and or the checkout lane is a good example where they put those crappy magazines, right? Those impulse yeah. buys, right? That's done uh, intentionally, right? Because they realize that if they can hook you with that headline, that title. They can pull you in and boom, make a sale, make a high, exactly. and those are high margin items at that end. Can you give an example of what, um, in the Amazon world, uh, of what you're talking about? Yeah, exactly. I mean, so like when it comes to advertising, you have to be competitive for that reason. So it's the same way at looking at like, you know, uh, space at a, a, just a really regular brick and mortar store. People like and companies pay more to have their products more in mm. front of consumers. And it's the same way with advertising on Amazon. Like you have to bid more. You have to be willing to spend more to get like that top placement on the search result or to get your headline search ad banner to be the one that shows when someone searches a particular keyword. So it does become, you know, really competitive because you're trying to outbid others that are also bidding on those same keywords. And you want to get that top placement because most of the time that top placement converts better because it has more people looking at it and it's getting more traffic, just like, you know, like uh, th- those uh, those impulse buys, as you call them, at, you know, the convenience stores. Those are right there when you're checking out, you're already spending money, you already know what you're getting, but you see this and you want to buy more. And it's kind of the same idea. It's just digital as opposed to having like, you know, a candy bar at a checkout line <laughs> at, at your local grocery store. I don't think people realize that that model has changed um, about retail, that you have to buy the space. That was not the way I've been in. You know, I was in the newspaper business forever, worked for so many different companies. And in the last few years, it was these larger um, convenience stores. Eventually, you had to buy the space. And, you know, and, and, and so you didn't think about it, but that top shelf premium placement was worth X. And it was such a great revenue stream for them. Um, and you don't think about competing against that now in the retail world. So that that advertising cost, which we really didn't count as advertising cost, it was just a we'd give them a better rate is what you paid for. Um, it's real and it's real right now. And so when mm-hmm. you're competing against a retailer, these things are things you got to start thinking about that, to consider, right? And so when you're spending advertising, I heard Ezra Firestone say you should be spending about 25% of in this a private label he was what he was specifically talking about 25% of your um, costs should be in advertising if you really want to be effective is that still ring true yeah i mean it definitely does of course you want to keep in mind your own personal goals because hmm. 25% is a is a good measure but then of course like if you're launching a product and you're trying to get as much traffic as possible right off the bat you may be willing to spend more but 100%. you just have to yeah, even 100%, because even in some like marketplaces such as you know supplements, in their case, if you're selling supplements on Amazon, first of all, it's extremely competitive. And there's a lot of other people there kind of selling you know, similar products. But most of the time, they're okay with spending 100%, because a lot of times, those people that have bought your product will come back and buy it again in the future. And that's just that really that return investment that you're getting. And that plays into their model a little differently. Whereas if I am, you know, doing private label and I have, you know, a product that's not too competitive in the category that I'm looking at, I would be more likely to do like, you know, 25 or 30 percent because I want to be competitive, but I still want to come out profitable. 
And if that means I'm spending more to begin with just to get some traffic, then I taper it back down. Once I do have some, you know, uh, velocity on Amazon, then that may be the case instead. So it's almost like a subscription model, right? So that cost to acquire the customer was worth the 100% because the second time they buy, right, when they, they're likely to be repeat customers in that supplement example, um, they're you're going to make your margin back over time, right? That's the theory. Exactly. Okay. And of course, like if you're selling an Xbox, that's not as much of the idea, you know, because they're well, not going to come back important. and buy another one. Yeah, I think this is important to distinguish because I think there are people who think, you know, average cost of sales, well, you got to do whatever it takes. Well, but you do have to realize that these are one-off customers generally, Right. It, right. And, and supplements is a good one. That would be a, a normal repeat customer. Probably food, grocery generally could be one of those categories. Not always. Right. I guess if, yeah. you know, uh, there's certain things that you wouldn't want to uh, keep selling. Right. But but what other categories would would you break down that way that would fit into that where it's worth getting them quick without a better phrase, getting them hooked on my product <laughs> so they only want my product? What's another category that you would think would fit in there? Yes, I mean, like most of the products that have like the option to do subscribe and save um, are oh, okay. a really good option because then that way, like, you know, they can purchase the product, but then they may go ahead and do the subscribe and save so they can save money initially and then they're already hooked. But just okay. like other products as well, like, you know, like if you're doing even things like, you know, shampoo or, or things for like, you know, just health and not necessarily supplements. Um, I know like in some like, you know, the tea or coffee or things like that, things that will run out and they have to be bought again. And if you have a great product, then people will want to buy your product again. And for example, like toilet paper or stuff like that. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. All right. That makes sense. What you, like you said, it, they're going to run out and they're going to need to replace it. Okay. That makes perfect sense to me. Oh God, you're so smart. Okay. (laughs) All right. So let's just do this and I'm going to roll through. I I put a bunch of questions down and I'm not feeding them because they're a sponsor. I want to, again, make sure that people understand that this is a chance to get value, right? This dude knows his stuff and he's going to help you figure this stuff out. So please take notes. All right. This is, this is good for you advice coming to us and I'm very fortunate to get it. All right. So let's talk about the basics of advertising. I, I originally wrote down, it's so funny. I wrote down the basics of PPC. That's how old I am, Edward, is <laughs> because, you know, not that long ago, that was that was the majority of advertising, right? I mean, that yeah. was that was pretty much it. Now, not not pretty much. I mean, it was a little bit, but now it's expanded into a couple different places. So let's talk about the basics um, of advertising in general. Yes. I mean, advertising itself has evolved so much. I'd, I'd say even in the past year, it has grown leaps and bounds from what it was before. And, and this isn't just Amazon. Uh, like there is, you know, other off Amazon advertising such as, you know, Facebook, Instagram, uh, even Twitter, all social media sites. They're really capitalizing on the fact that ads are worth a lot of money. And they're getting in front of thousands and millions of people really just in one day sometimes. And that's just a great way for companies to put their product, put their new product or their really established product in front of potential buyers based on their likes, their interests and really what they want in life. And really, Amazon has really shifted their focus to go more towards this, you know, market share. They're looking to expand their advertising. They're looking to get more out of it. And they're adjusting things inside their advertising platform to where they're looking to do off Amazon advertising. They're actually doing it right now. And then they're also doing headline search ads, which is, you know, another great way uh, to get, you know, more traffic and more impressions. Those are actually called sponsored brand ads now. And those are really different from just a normal sponsored product ad because they're actually a banner ad that allows you to be creative. You can insert like a lifestyle image of your product and you can have a headline that's catchy that really draws people in to look at your product. And then also on top of that, 
if you're a vendor, you can go through AMS and you can actually take advantage of something, uh, the, uh, the uh, product display ads. And these are so competitive because they allow you to target specific products on Amazon. So you can actually say, hey, you know what? This guy over here is a huge competitor. I'm going to bid so then I can actually get my ad on his listing. So when someone is looking at his listing, then I can see my ad too, and they may purchase so, mine because it's cheaper. So when I have my ad, when you know when I pull up my listing and I see my competitor looking really good right next to me, they're paying for that, correct? Yeah, they're okay. paying for it, and they may be willing to pay you know top dollar for that. You know, sometimes it is about raising the bid and being as competitive as possible to really beat out your competition or try to get as many sales from them as possible. And it, it really goes to show that you know Amazon is developing these tools, they're making them easier to use, they're getting a better interface on Amazon as well, and they're really focusing on the fact that by doing the ads, we're not just taking your money. Like Amazon's not just trying to get your money, but they're trying to create conversions, and they're really trying to make happier shoppers. And they're not just going to take your money with, with no type of effect from it. They want you to have an ad that leads to a purchase, that leads to a happy customer that will come back and buy more on Amazon in the future. Yeah, everybody thinks that they make their money for storage fees and all the rest of that. Well, you know, in my town, we have four Amazon warehouses. Those babies aren't cheap. Wow. So, you know, it is, I mean, I'm not exaggerating. They're monstrous. They're like they're a mile long. And... Um, they're not cheap, right? I mean, they're paying yeah. for parking for their employees in another place. I mean, and then they bus them over, right? I mean, all those costs. So I doubt that our storage money is covering their costs on their warehousing, <laughs> right? They make their money when something sells, period, Right. correct? Now, I understand that the advertising business for them has become a huge revenue source. Um, and that's that's nice and free for them, right? I mean, there's, there's programmers and stuff, but that, and that's nice and free. But, but, but to be honest, they make their money when that item sells, they get their 8, 10, 15 percent, whatever it is. And that's what they want to do. And they want to sell as many. But I, th I think you brought up another good point is they also want that customer to say, I got it at Amazon, 100 percent. Whenever yes. I, you know, there's so whenever they're thinking of anything, they only think of Amazon. And that makes perfect sense. You know, you mentioned those banner ads. I thought banner ads have been a declining business. I, I, I knew that, you know, in, in the re er, in the old media world, that was the big thing they were doing is running <laughs> these things. But people weren't looking at them anymore. Is that different on Amazon, do you know? Yeah, it definitely is. Um, so really the whole sponsored brand ads or like the, the banner ads, so they, as they kind of are called as well, uh, on Amazon, they've really developed them in such a way where there's more options actually if you're doing a sponsored brand ad. Um, in the past, they were really just at the top of the page, like whenever you search something. And usually the top result was a headline search ad as they used to be called. And these were Pretty, pretty simple. Um, they really didn't have much other placement and you could have them lead to like, you know, a list of all these different products. So it's more like a uh, kind of a controlled environment. So like instead of clicking on a competitor product and seeing an ad there, you can actually just click on a headline search ad and it can take that shopper to a list of maybe 10 of the products that you offer. But, but now they've actually changed it to where you can actually direct that shopper to your storefront that you've created on Amazon. So if you have brand registry, you can actually build out a storefront that's beautiful. It can have different tabs. It can have some lifestyle images. And it can actually make it easier for that shopper to purchase a product because they click on the ad, they go to the storefront, they learn more about your brand, they learn that you actually have quality items, then they can purchase them from there. And then on top of that, there's also more placement now. Um, the sponsored brand ads are now like on the sidebars, they're on the bottom of the pages, and just they have a, a really nice placement on mobile as well, what you're using on the phone. 
So they're expanding that reach and giving you a bigger audience and giving you better placement. And they're actually one of my favorite ads just because you have that creative aspect in it because you can use, you know, a lifestyle image of someone using Yeah, I was going to ask you that. You don't have to use that plain back white image for those sponsored ads, correct? Exactly. Of That's course, huge. you still can. Yeah, it, it's huge because it actually, it gives your product more life. It actually gives you some depth. It gives your brand some type of recognition, which is exactly what you want with these ads. And then on top of that, the headline. Like, I, I love spending time to create these catchy headlines for these new uh, ads that I'm creating for some of the clients that I work with because mm. I want them to be catchy. I want them to, you know, kind of summarize what their product is and what it does within 50 characters or less. And it's a challenge, but it's also so fun because it adds that value right up front. And people know what their brand is. They know what the product is. And they're like, wow, this picture's awesome. This looks like something that I want. This is perfect. And then they're hooked just like that. I'm looking at a picture. I, I pulled up something, and it, and it was um, for Christmas. And down in the bottom on the sponsored ad, the first one says confetti, confetti sticks flutter, blah 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 blah. But it shows this picture of all these people having fun and this stuff flying in the air. Right? <laughs> it's like it's you know compared to this plain white image of this product I'm looking at. I mean, it's this plain awful white image. And then I look down a little lower, and there's a whole group of people, and I can see. Like through that image, I can immediately see what that does, right? Yeah. That's very effective. Oh, damn. I'm it influenced. really is. I hate that I'm influenced by advertising. <laughs> I was oh, thinking about man. on the way in this morning, <laughs> or in my sauna this morning, I was thinking about like selling a balloon, you know, and you have that plain white image of a balloon. Yet, you know, I'm thinking a big hot air balloon, make a really big example. But yet what you want to see is that huge image out in the sky floating over the trees yes. and floating over. That image is so stunning. And yet, in your plain white image, until you break terms of service, which I would do it for that, but you, you really can't you know, use that, right? That's a good example. But yet, when you can see it, and then you can take you away. Uh, to me, that, oh, love it, love it, love it. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so we've gotten, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of opportunities to advertise. And how, do you, how do you know, you know, your example earlier where you talked about that company, um, that uh, brand brand registered, but it was a little bit more than that. What did you call it where they have their own page and they have all the different things? Yeah, I mean, really, just, if you have brand registry 2.0. Okay, okay so it's brand registry 2.0. So that that right there, sorry. I, I, there was another one that you mentioned and I, I got them confused. But that one there, how effective is it, you know, or what what types, because you, you manage a lot of campaigns for a lot of different people. How effective has that become for people also um, to really stand out? Like you said, because you could really have those lifestyle images. You could, in my, my balloon example, you could actually have all of it displayed, right? You could really play yeah. it up. Yeah, I mean, so it's really become so brand-centric on Amazon, and I love it. Like, of course, you know, I still have clients that are doing, you know, uh, the, the resale, they're doing some wholesale and they don't have as much of an opportunity. Um, but all the ones that have brand registry and are really looking to build their brand on Amazon, they're, they're kind of being rewarded to a case because Amazon is building out these tools and these features of advertising that are really for people that have a brand. And it becomes so much more effective because you're able to actually really build a culture around a brand yeah, on Amazon, yeah, 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 yeah. which is something that you used to only be able to do through social media. Of course, still use social media by all means, but this allows you to have like a, kind of a look inside your company and inside your brand on Amazon through that storefront, which is, I love storefronts. They're so awesome. 
and also by having the headline search ads and really just being able to have that creative space to do things like exactly kind of just like like if I were advertising a hot air balloon, I would have it like going over like a huge mountain yeah, yeah, and just yeah. like make it look beautiful because then that way people think, wow, this brand, like this is Edwards Balloon Company, is awesome. Like they're adventurous. They want to do things. They want you to experience adventure as well. And that could even be in the headline, like, you know, take advantage of your weekend and be adventurous or something like that. That probably wouldn't do that well for a hot air balloon. But it's just really cool because Amazon is doing, you know, brand registry 2.0. They're allowing people that have brand registry to do headline search ads or sponsored brand ads as they're now called and they're also allowing them to have those storefronts like they're rewarding them and it's working because it leads to more conversions it leads to more repeat sales of course if you're something that can be replenished over time and it really does show like me that it works to have a brand and it's it's what amazon wants people to do nowadays i think but it also if you take it a step further and then you take your own website and your own all the all the other platforms you sell on. It gives you the ability to be consistent, right? So having that standalone site on Amazon, you can make it very similar to your standalone site um, um, on your your personal stuff or your social media, your Instagram, all that stuff. You can make it consistent and ultimately that's what people want, right? Then you get known for that. Mm. Exactly. And that's actually one thing I do whenever I, you know, we have a new client that's coming to us and I kind of research them to find out what they're doing. I, the first thing I do is I find their Amazon storefront, see if they have one. And then I also look at their social media presence to see how it compares, to see if they're like, you know, uh, more consistent throughout the platforms or to see if there may be some. Is there usually a gap? Uh, So as of recently, it's actually gotten better. Um, a lot of them do have a big reach on social media. Um, some of them are just now kind of switching over towards Amazon. Like they've had their own Shopify account for a while, then they're switching over to Amazon instead. And it's cool to see that. Then, of course, there are some where I'm like, hey, have you thought of brand registry? And if not, you should do it because it can help you. And here's why. Um, So I definitely do. It's not like I'm trying to upsell someone to get brand registry. I just want them to see the benefit of doing it and definitely going through the process of getting that, you know, applied for and and get it taken care of as soon as possible. And and how long does that take? Because, you know, again, this is a company that's built a brand, right? They're, they, they're in the process. They're trying to build a brand. They've got these amazing products. They're, they need to maximize the utility from them, right? They need to get it every chance, every opportunity to sell. How much effort is it to get that brand registry? And then, not only that, then to get it to the real, so that pages, or the page and then the uh, tabs are really effective. Yes. I mean, really applying for it is not hard. Um, I think the biggest time like consumption really comes for waiting for it, I believe is what I've kind of seen. Hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait. (laughs) Yeah. Hurry up and wait, you know, and as soon as they get it, then it really is pretty easy to actually build out a storefront. You just need some creative images and just like need some possibly some other options to do just for your storefront. But that doesn't take long to build out. Um, Of course, there's also something else I haven't even talked about that's uh, enhanced brand content as well. That's something else that's not related to advertising, but it's just like on your listing, you can have uh, better images, you can have kind of a whole entire section that lets you use larger descriptions and more lifestyle images besides but the it ones. is it is advertising really right yeah. because it's it's when people see i'm looking at this site right of this particular item this christmas item and they only have two images which is poor um but if i could see you know in their seven or eight images i guess or their video right which is enhanced right. brand content all that stuff right that's what people are looking for generationally your age us old dudes are different uh edward <laughs> but but at your age you guys i mean it's it's uh, reviews 
It's uh, you want to see it. You want to see everything about it. You guys are like research nuts. Um, And and having that ability to see a video and seeing it actually get used and be like, oh, yeah, that's how I would use it. Yep. That's exactly what I would do. Well, and we'll you know, really take it further. So to me, they're, they really are related. Okay. Yeah. All right. So let's do this. So let's, let's talk about, I think there's three things that I think are really important that we really want to break down for people. Okay. So can you break down and I'm going to, I'm going to label them and then you're going to have to go through each one. Okay. So <laughs> developing a strategy, right? Because I think the strategy is different. So back to our supplements versus hot air balloons, right? My hot air balloons going to sell for, you know, I don't know, 50 grand. I don't know if that's cheap for a hot air balloon, but I'm going to say that versus a supplement that's selling for 12 bucks, right? Different strategies, right? And and you're going to mass market that as opposed to micro market, right? And then I want to talk about how you organize a campaign and then finally really choosing the right keywords because that's really where it all comes together, correct? Yeah, 100%. Like I'll, I'll go through them in order. Um, okay. But, just, but be, just because I'm, I'm a wacko about order, so if you could keep it in order. <laughs> now I'm teasing. <laughs> I definitely love all these. Um, I guess to begin with, you know, the strategy, um, the strategy is going to vary for every account. And this is actually part of my job whenever we have a new client come to us is I spend, you know, a few hours sometimes developing a strategy just for this client. And that that's simply because no client is the same, no category is the same, no product is the same. And when I say strategy, it's really just about, you know, getting things set up to run for a long time. One thing that I see a lot of people do is they create campaigns that are just kind of, you know, throwing something at the wall and hoping it sticks. And then a month from now, it has to all change. So with the strategy, you have to really go ahead and set your, your goals and what you want to get out of the advertising. You have to know if you want to be really competitive. You have to really know what, what your break even is on a product and, and kind of what your profit margin is as well for the products that you're selling. And you have to know exactly what type of ads you want to run. And these are all kind of the types of questions that I ask everybody that that comes to us is, you know, tell me about your product. Tell me about your brand. Tell me what you want from advertising. Because if you have someone, for instance, that's doing like, you know, a hot air balloon, they're going to have a different strategy from supplements. And some of the reasons before that are because hot air balloons, they have a high cost. They also may have a really high profit just considering. So if they make one sell, their A cost may be like, you know, really, really small, like 2% or something because they're not spending that much money on the actual keywords in relation to the actual sales and how much they make off of them. But then also you have to look at the competition there because a hot air balloon company on Amazon probably doesn't have as much competition as a supplement company on Amazon. We kind of talked about this earlier. So you have to know when developing your strategy how competitive your market is. Well, and- let's stop there a second because that's mm-hmm. that's an important point. So so in that hot air balloon example, there might be two or three other sellers just because you know not many people can make a hot air balloon. So therefore, <laughs> do I automatically get pulled up in search if somebody searches hot air balloons on uh, – on Amazon, because there's only two or three other sellers, is it likely that I'm going to make it to the higher end of search um, already? And is that then something you consider? So not necessarily, oh, uh, unfortunately, okay. like, like it's really so this kind of goes into another part of the strategy, which is, you know, having a powerful listing and having your listing set up to include the keywords you want to rank for and really have a strong listing with the images, you know, the bullet points and the title, because that will help you index more 
for the actual keywords that you're targeting. Of course, this is both organic and also paid for placement as well. So even if there are just two other people selling hot air balloons on Amazon, which I'm actually really curious about. Actually, I just put search. it in, dude. I had to do yeah. it because I'm sitting here thinking to myself. So go all departments, hot air balloon. Everybody listening, pause and go out there and search for this because I think it's very enjoyable. Um, there are. There's actually wow. the second one down, Travels Light Hot Air Balloon Authentic Models. Air, you know, 49 bucks. I mean, I don't know if that's big enough to hold a person. I don't think so. But it's pretty stinking cool. Um it is actually very, very cool. I mean, here's uh, here's if you go down a little ways, it's an authentic model. I don't know, uh, a twelve? Oh, it's only a twelve-inch balloon, so it's not a big deal. All right, so yeah, I want to see like, a real like a hot mini, air balloon, well, man. Even like having like a mini hot air balloon, like that itself is a conversation starter. Yeah, and yeah, I may yeah. have to get one of those. Yeah. Hey, what's that in your backyard? It's a hot air balloon. You know, I'm yeah, just yeah, out yeah, playing with a hot air balloon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very cool. All right, so so uh, I don't see my giant. Twenty-five or fifty thousand dollars. I think I said a fifty thousand dollars version, but yeah, I get it. But but what I do see in here, and this is where I think your point is, is I'm seeing in toys and games, home and kitchen, clothing and jewelry, right. children's books, socks, nursery furniture. So yeah, I'm not going to show up unless somebody's looking for person carrying hot air balloon right then then exactly. it's very spe- okay all right that makes right. sense so, so you have to be you know specific in your listing you have to include the keywords that you want to rank for maybe the ones that you don't want to have in your listing you can put those in your your back end of your listing so you can actually get some ranking for that and of course amazon wants to see velocity and sales of course too to get you that higher placement because they want to see that your product actually sells and people enjoy it you know they look at reviews they look at a lot of things but one thing that I really push for whenever we you know, work on campaigns is Amazon will only drive traffic to a sponsored ad campaign if they see that it's converting. And this is another way that you can make sure that you're getting your sponsored ad placement up higher. And what I really mean by this is whenever you make a new campaign, Amazon usually throws a lot of traffic at it to begin with just to see how it performs. And if Amazon sees that it's working well and it's converting, they will kind of continue that traffic. But if they see that it's not doing well, it's just getting a lot of clicks and they're just not converting, no sales at all, they're going to drop down the traffic. They're going to stop giving it traffic because it's it's not working. And that really makes sense. And also on top of this is competition. You're paying more to get better placement a lot of times. Mm. So that rolls into, of course, your relevancy. But you, the higher you bid, the better your placement is. This is something that a lot of people don't realize. They think they're just bidding just to get some placement. But it really does help you in your actual placement on the page. Like if I'm like paying a dollar for a keyword and then my, my friend Tyler's, you know, paying 50 cents instead, I may be on page one. He may be on page two or three, maybe at the bottom possibly. And that's one thing you have to keep in mind is when you're looking at the suggested bid range, I usually go like, you know, towards towards the higher end, maybe just a little below the higher end. So that way I can be competitive and I can get that higher placement, which will in turn lead to more conversions. So this all goes into that strategy that you have to realize. You have to research and find out how your market is, how the category is as a whole, maybe research competitors and find out how much you want to spend and how you want to run these ads as well. And and part of that strategy is you might spend more up front because, again, we're trying to get get some traction. And then over time, you might be able to pull back that and and move down that after you've gained some of that traction. And those are the kind of things that, again, it has to be, you know, we'll get to, you know, how do you measure if if it's working, right? And and whether you're getting a good, somebody's doing a good job. Okay. All right. So we've got a strategy, right? Put a lot of thought, a lot of effort into it. Now we need to get 
um, some kind of organization, some approach, a campaign, right? I mean, that's really what it is. It's a campaign to do, to, to enact the strategy, right? To really, right. to take it into place. So talk us through that. Yes, I mean, the biggest thing that I always say whenever someone's making a campaign is group similar products together. I cannot preach this anymore. Like this is my go-to for things that people do wrong is they'll just have one campaign that has thousands of products that have nothing to do with each other. And this really doesn't work because it's harder to extract data. It's harder to see what's working. So it's always good to group similar products together. And and what I mean by similar products is, you know, if I'm selling a t-shirt and it comes in four different colors, instead of making one campaign for each of those, I would possibly just, just group them all together because they're going to share more keywords than they are going to differ in keywords. They're all going to show, you know, for men's t-shirt or cotton t-shirt, that applies to all the variations. Now, of course, you can always argue that you can, you know, break them out and have some campaigns for each with just like very simple terms like green t-shirt, but you're not going to get as much conversion off of that. It's very, very specific as opposed to someone just looking for a basic t-shirt. And I'm, I'm saying this in the regards, like I'm just selling plain t-shirts. Yeah, but that's a good example because that's, uh, you know, visually when I can see all the different t-shirts on there, the color that is what I get attracted to, I doubt that I'm putting in green unless it was for St. Patrick's Day or something like that. But then I I wouldn't be putting in green. I would expect it to be green, right? So it'd be a waste to put in green in that perfect example right there. Hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then also, so on top of that, like we said before, Amazon wants conversions. They want people to buy products they will actually optimize that campaign over time so they show the variation that actually converts the most. And, and this is beautiful. So Amazon's helping you out. It's helping to drive more traffic to that variation that gets more sales and leads to more happy people. And, and so that in itself just shows that Amazon does want you to succeed. So I usually you know, group similar products together, um, have you know, a manual targeting campaign for that, but then also have an auto-targeting campaign. And this is huge. So... Manual targeting campaigns are, of course, the ones that you bid on specific keywords, you have more control on your spend, and you get like that the, the better placement, the top of page placement, and you can show up and search a little more. But auto-targeting campaigns are a goldmine. Like they are so awesome because, first of all, they show you what people are searching for to find your product. And they also show you what Amazon thinks your product is. Because Amazon doesn't have someone who just sits around all day and goes through, you know, campaigns and says, okay, cool, this campaign is for a t-shirt, this one's for a hot air balloon. They instead analyze your listing and they see, you know, the type of keywords you're targeting and that helps them to know what to target in an auto-targeting campaign. And this is just a way to justify if you're doing things right in your listing. Like if I'm selling t-shirts and all of a sudden I see search terms showing up in my auto-targeting campaign for for lizards and snakes, I have no idea what happened. Maybe I put in some words that were irrelevant and I need to take those out. So that that helps you sharpen the, I always use things as like sharpening a pencil. Those yes. little, those smooth little changes because you're paying for that. I mean, and it's a good example. So that lizard comes up, you're paying for that. <laughs> as dumb as it is, it shouldn't be there, right? So there's a reason right. for that. And so you can tweak and tweak and tweak. It, it's a continuous change, isn't it? I mean, it's not a set it and forget it kind of thing, is it? Yeah, no, definitely. So I, I'm the type of guy who runs auto targeting campaigns all the time. Like some people will end them, then just focus on manual, but I always run auto targeting campaigns. I check them, you know, a few times a week. We look at the search terms, we set negatives for the terms that we don't want to show up for. 
But then also the reason why I always run them is because auto-targeting campaigns get unique placement that manual targeting campaigns usually cannot. Um, for instance, like whenever you're looking at a listing, there's an area that says like, you know, uh, sponsored ads related to this item. Those are actually usually auto-targeting campaigns. So that's why it's so important to run an auto-targeting campaign so you can show up on your competitor's listing. And then it goes even further. This, this is great. This always gets me. Whenever you add a product to your cart on Amazon, Amazon shows more ads there. Mm. Like they show you more ads. They're like, hey, you're spending money. Why don't you buy one of these as well? Those are also auto-targeting campaigns. And then they go even further. This just is great. This is so perfect. Whenever you actually buy a product, Amazon says, wow, thank you. Here's some other products. Mm -hmm. And those are also auto-targeting campaigns. And those actually do pretty well conversion-wise. Uh, getting that placement can actually lead to some sales for you. So that's why it's important to have the manual campaign, which has, you know, the overall organization and has, you know, the more competitive bids. You can kind of see the match types and you can see which one's doing better. And then you have the auto-targeting campaigns to get you that placement and that ongoing research because you can never have too much data. Like it's, it's always going to be growing and changing and you can always use that to make your manual campaign better. You can find those search terms that are working and move them over to that manual campaign. I love it, dude. To me, what you just said makes perfect sense, right? Because as you say, there's going to be lots of opportunities for people to buy products and to buy your competitor products or your competitor's oh, yeah. products. So by placing this stuff, oh, it's so smart. All right. And so <laughs> let's talk about choosing a keyword because I think it really all comes down to that. That's that's like, that's half art, half science, right? I heard uh, yeah. Kelly Fedio said that one time. She's like, you know, uh, product choice and, and keyword choice, it's really half um, science, right? There's lots of data, but there's also an art to it. And that art is not everybody has it. Right. No, yes. So I definitely love that idea, like, you know, being half art and half science because I'm very data driven. But a lot of times you have to look at something and just say, that's really stupid. Why would I do that? And, and that really is just part of it, because whenever you're looking for powerful keywords that will lead to, you know, some type of conversion and get some type of traffic, of course, you can use the ways of, you know, looking at your previous data. So, for instance, uh, a lot of times we will use that auto targeting campaign that we've been running to find the search terms that are doing well, and we'll make them our own keywords. And that right there is based off of data. We see that they worked well before. We see they had conversions. They weren't too expensive. And then we extract them, add them as a keyword to a manual targeting campaign. So, so that's one of, the, one of my favorite ways to find keywords. And then, of course, there's other tools like Scope that allows you to see. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's what we use, yeah. Scope. We look at our competitors who are exactly. already doing it right, and we're like, okay, there's somebody smarter than Steve over there, and I'm <laughs> going to use his word, or her words, probably her, more than likely. And, uh, um, and that does work. That's what it I does. use. I, I am I am a sucker for scope. Like I yeah. use it all the time. I'm lazy. Even just, yeah, so good. it's just so easy just to see keywords. And even if it's just like an idea, I can then take it, add it as a keyword, and see what actually performs. So so that's kind of getting into more of the art. It's like looking at those keywords. Okay, some of these make sense, some of these don't. Using like you know the idea that I have my product because as my product, I know it really well. I know what keywords I added to the back end. Yeah, but, yeah, but that's a good example, though. You know it really well, but you're limited by your knowledge, right? You're tarnished by that exactly. knowledge, right? You're not looking at it. It's like man and women speak, right? It's a perfect example, <laughs> right? I'll say something, my wife will be like, she'll hear something completely different. And I know what I wanted to say, and that's not what she heard. And I'm like, whoa. But that's because she's thinking on it from a different point of view. And I think that's what's one of the cool things about Scope is that you're seeing them choose these things, and you're like, huh, I wouldn't have chose that. 
But hey, exactly. it's working, Edward. It's like, all right, I get it now. And then you yes. expand your boundaries, your limits get a little bit sharper, and you're like, oh, I get it now. And it's like the sometimes the lights go on, and it's like, oh, I get it, um, yes. which is very, very cool. It's a, I think the man-women thing is a good example for people to think <laughs> about. It's real. It's absolutely real. It, it really is because, like, even a lot of times, like, you know, we'll be helping someone out, and they'll have an idea, like, you know, these are the keywords that we want to target. And I'm like, well, what about this one? And they're like, oh, yeah, that's actually a good idea. But it's just just like you said, like they've been working on it for so long. You're so close to they it. Know, yeah, they're, they're just so like in, in, like enveloped into it that they, they can't see outside of it sometimes. And that's fine. Like, you know, it just means you have to use a tool like Scope or even just looking at competitor listings, just even just reading like, you know, their description and, you know, their bullet points and their title. That itself can give you some other keyword ideas. They may just be able to rephrase another keyword that you're using that you never thought of. So really... Like a third way is just looking at your competitors. That is huge. Always looking at competitors or similar products or even just other products in the category to give you an idea about how you can get maybe a broader reach or just very, very simple keywords that could lead to a lot of people seeing your ad. And then, of course, testing it to see how it converts and probably being more conservative because it's such a broad term. But that way you can still constantly be learning because more and more competitors come into the field, you know, all the time. And it's just constantly being aware of that. And seeing where your ads are placing to get an idea about those competitors and who they are. And that's another great, like, uh, I guess, benefit of the auto targeting campaigns is they will actually show competitor ASINs in there or similar product ASINs. And that's huge. Yeah. Then it's like, whoa. I think yeah. here's another good example. Ketogenic diet. Now, it's been around for a long time, but it's only popular now and it's hot right now, right? It's the, it's the diet today, right? And next week, it'll be something different. But how many products have added the word keto friendly or whatever <laughs> and why, right? So they were already selling, you know, uh, almond flour. Almond flour has been around a long time. Now you look at the package, keto friendly or uh, coconut yeah. flour and stuff like that. And it's, that's a good example of something that somebody's taken a product and now all of a sudden people are searching for this because they want to get it for keto. And now by targeting that word, all of a sudden you're going to move up in that search. So I think that's a good example too. It is. It's wonderful. All right. So let's, let's go through a couple more things because I think, I think we've, we've gotten that, that really that breakdown again, we got to develop a strategy and the strategy is different depending on what you're selling, right. And why you're selling or, you know, not of course, you were selling to make money, but but you know, costs and all the rest of that stuff. Again, you're going to organize the campaign the right way, and then you're going to make sure you got the right keywords. But that is not a static piece of information. That is a an evolving piece of information. And I think those three tips are strong. So what's the characteristics of a good campaign? When you look at, because again, I'm looking for best practice, right? I'm looking for the things that I'm, I'm assuming, this is my assumption, I think this is pretty reasonable, that what you thought was working three years ago or what was working three years ago probably is not the trend today. Is that fair? Yeah, definitely. It's become way more evolved and you have to kind of watch it closer too. Um, because since it's you know, developed and it's gotten better, of course, more people are advertising. And that just means that the the average cost per click is going up. And you have to pay more attention to it because you're spending more now. Like, you know, of course, with, with Google advertising, it you kind of expect to spend like $11 a click sometimes or just like, you know, you're, you're really expecting to spend more. But with Amazon, like, you know, when it first really got up, you're looking at like 50 cent, 25 cent bids. And now, for some of the categories that I've been working with for over a year now, they have doubled or even tripled in some cases because it's gotten so competitive. So really, like whenever you're looking to analyze your campaign to see if it's a good campaign, one of the first things I look at is traction. 
And this is very, very basic traction just in the side of impressions. Like, are people actually seeing my campaign? Are they actually seeing the ads? And is it getting in front of the audience that I want? So I usually look at impressions just to see if it's getting placement. Because if you're not getting placement, nothing else will follow. So if you're not getting placement, you may have to analyze your bids and be more competitive. Okay, so hold on a second there. I want to make sure I get this. So again, that's your first step, right, is to make sure that you're getting in front of eyeballs. Whether they're buying or not, that's a different issue. You just right. got to make sure you're getting in front of the – so you have an opportunity to sell. Okay, that makes exactly. sense. Exactly. It's okay. just like, you know, you're not going to sell anything unless you show it to someone. So <laughs> just jump out there and try it. Like, you know, try to get as much traction as possible. Of course, you want to be smart. I'm not saying put – 40,000 keywords and then just hope for the best. Do not do that. That That's the stuff that makes me cringe when I see that. Um, but but everything's a keyword, Edward. Everything's <laughs> a keyword. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah so, so I always look at impressions first. I, I always have. And then, of course, as you go down the pipeline, you look at the clicks. So you want to look and see, are people seeing my ad and are they also engaging with it? And when you're looking at clicks, of course, you want to see if you're getting a good amount. You want to see if there's particular keywords that are doing well. And something else there is as you're getting clicks, you'll get an idea of what your average cost per click is. And this will let you know how competitive your campaign is and also the category. If you see a really high cost per click, like if you know the average cost per click is $5 right now, that's pretty competitive. Of course, probably a year from now, people will listen to this and be like, $5, ah, come on, that's nothing. Um, but it's definitely good to analyze how much money you're spending overall. And of course, you can look into individual cost per clicks as well. But this lets you know how competitive the category and the market is that you're aiming for. Hmm. But the best way to determine a good campaign is how many of those clicks actually converted. And this is where you actually see your worth. Of course, you want to have a high conversion rate. You want to see that these people are actually seeing the ad, engaging, and then converting as well. But you want to be careful there, too, because if you're getting conversions, but they're just costing so much money and it's just really driving up your A costs, you want to be careful. You may have to dial back on some of your bids so then that way you're not spending as much money to get those conversions. And that's kind of where the balance comes into because I could have a campaign that's doing wonderful. You know, it has an incredible conversion rate every, you know, every Three clicks I get, I get one conversion. That's really awesome. I'm loving it. But then I have an average cost per click of $5 and I'm selling like, you know, an $8 product. Hmm. And that's where I have to realize like, wow, like I'm not making as much as I need to offer this. So I may have to back out, analyze the keywords, maybe bring down my bids on some of them just until I can get more organic velocity to make up for the fact that I'm spending so much in the campaign itself. And you'll get some of that organic velocity again as your rank improves, right? So some of that is is, right. is it's kind of like starting the snowball down the hill, right? And you're starting to get it going. You got to kick it off. So in that scenario, whether it's a, a product that um, is going to have a shelf life that you're going to need to replenish or not, sometimes that makes sense to get it started, right? You got to give away, right. you know, it's, it's basically giving them away because you're losing money on them in essence, right? Um, so that makes sense. Okay. Exactly. All right. I, I was thinking about this too, is, is there a, you know, like a, a 101, a short, short version of how to get started i mean for people is there an easy way for that i mean because it you know a whole bunch of people are like oh my god these nerds have talked way <laughs> too deep and you know think you know it, it 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 is painful for all this stuff sometimes a lot of terms a lot of things to figure out but is there an easy place to get started or an easy way that you suggest for people to try it to get started 
Yeah, I mean, so if you've already got a listing on Amazon and you've spent some time making it look awesome, you've already done a lot of the work. And then the next step is really just to, uh, you know, create auto and manual targeting campaigns and, of course, group similar products together. And you can do that uh, manual targeting campaign with some keywords that you find from scope or other tools like that as well. And for your auto targeting campaign, you can be more aggressive up front. And then there's a list of search terms that could be possible keywords for that manual targeting campaign. Right, right. You take what they suggest, right, and logically, and you look at the impressions, right, and then you pull them back, and then you create your manual campaign based on that, because that's good information, as you said. Right, yeah. And some people, even, they will just start off with just an auto-targeting campaign. If they have a really small budget or they don't want to spend too much, they will just do that for the time being. And, you know, after a week or two, you have a good amount of data that you can use to just make a manual targeting campaign with those terms. And, and that, that's really like, you know, a simple way to get started. Of course, there is going to be optimization along the way. Uh, I really do not like it when people just start campaigns and don't check back in on them. I always say, like, as you're doing this, as you're launching them, check them two to three times a week. And also don't overcheck them. Give them time to grow. Give them time to breathe because you want to have data that's usable. You don't want to have just one day's worth of data. You want to have a couple of days so that we can actually see what's going on and what's working, what's not working as well. And then that's where you tweak and then you go back and adjust again, right? And you just keep exactly, uh, yeah, find, sharpening the pencil. Get that vision in your mind. You're sharpening exactly. it over time. All right. So here's a big question that I get. When do I outsource? When does it make sense? Because there are lots of companies. Uh, Seller Labs has a company, right, that does manage, right? You guys manage right. people's. Uh, there's lots of companies out there that manage people's um, advertising. When does it make sense? Because you've got some mega clients that you personally manage. Um, do I have to be a mega client for it to make sense um, to outsource? No. I mean, really, we have like really so many different types of clients. We have those larger brands that just, you know, need a professional team to come and do the advertising for them because it makes sense because they're so large. They need to have someone who manages just that sector of their business. But then we have those smaller brands who need to focus more on building their brand, you know, on Amazon and off Amazon. They just don't have time to do the advertising. Mm. And then of course there's people who just don't understand it as well as they want to, and they don't have time to learn it that they want to look for a team like myself and the managed services team to do it for them. And of course, whenever I am bringing on a client, I express it as, you know, we want to be an extension of your team. We're in no way just, you know, stepping outside, doing what we need to, and then reporting back. We do it with you so that way the brand is consistent across the board and we're able to help you and also grow your brand at the same time. It has to be a good fit both ways. has yeah, to be. Exactly. And that's something that I always love about it is because, there are, you know, different types of services that do this, but I really enjoy what we do just because I enjoy talking to people and I enjoy learning about their products and their brands. Like if I could tell you all the different types of products that I know a lot about that I thought I never would, it would <laughs> blow your mind. It's, it's crazy. And it's just you have to look at it and see, like, you know, can I devote time to do this myself? OK, if I can't, I need to get someone or do I really want to do I want this to be something else I have to manage on a daily basis? And, and it's, it's, you have to kind of. Manage to see what your time is worth. Your time may be better spent developing your listing or getting a newer product to market or looking at your off Amazon sales while we're handling your on Amazon, like, you know, advertising. So you have to really see if you have the time in your day or your week or your month to get this done, because it is something when you start it, like we've said, you have to continually check it and update it and adjust it. Because if you don't, you're going to lose money. So you have to see if you have time for that. And even this can just be 
sitting down for 15, 20 minutes and looking at your month, looking at things that you have planned, and then also just say, can I fit in an hour every other day or every two or three days to actually check into my advertising? And if you can't, then I would suggest outsourcing it because this is what we do like all day, every day, like even outside of office hours. <laughs> no, I get it because, you know, I think about in my, my accounting profession, right? I was, I was an accountant and, you know, when I went to accounting school and this was years and years ago, I mean, I come out and I used to have to do depreciation and tax and 10 Ks and all this stuff. I have no clue. That stuff got compartmentalized and specialized because it was mm-hmm. so much to maintain tax. Yeah. I don't do my own taxes, you know? Because it's just so, it's political, it's specific. And you have to, for everybody, I mean, imagine all of us trying to understand all that, that those little nuances and stuff. It's just too much to, to maintain and stay current on um, when you only have to do it once a year or once a quarter in our case. But, but so it's a good example. It's a good analogy with this is that this is a, um, this is something that's kind of specialized, right? And so especially as you scale a brand, what you're describing building a brand, when you talk about that page, right, where I have my storefront and I'm building all that out. I mean, all those different things. Do I want to be the one taking the pictures as opposed to getting them professionally done? I mean, at some point, if I'm building all that stuff up I need to have people on my team and you know what's kind of cool is I don't have to pay you as a employee <laughs> um, I get to pay you as a service I mean it's a service um, but but it is a uh, um, paid service but it's not quite the same so I think that's right. a good one. how about this let me ask you this because and and I know you know don't don't give me the seller labs uh, standard answer be honest <laughs> no I mean because this is important for people how do they know they're doing a good job and it's just well you know our company's the best Steve well come on you know, be fair. How do I measure that you're actually making a difference for me, Edward, or not you, or let's just pick another company. How do I measure <laughs> that, that they're actually really doing a good job for me? Well, so one thing I always do with every account that we manage is the first thing I ask is, what are your goals? Hmm. What do you want? Are you looking to just get a larger reach on Amazon? Are you looking to scale back your spend? Are you looking to just optimize your existing campaigns? And that's one of the first things I ask them. So then that way, I can know what their primary goal is. And this is even before I've looked at their campaigns or, you know, even looked at their brand that much because I want to know what their actual like down to earth, you know, bottom of their heart goal is and why they're coming to us. And that's something that we put, you know, actually kind of in their, their accounts is what their goals are, what they're working towards. And we continually check back with them to see, okay, cool. Your target A cost is 30%. As you can see, we have 25%. But also on top of that, we're actually ex- extending your reach. We're getting you more impressions and more clicks while lowering your A costs. And those are the two goals that you had. So it's always important to have goals in place. And if someone comes to us and says, you know, I don't really have any goals. I just want you to manage it. Then we're going to manage it to the effect of getting more traffic, getting more sales because you know that that's what it is right you know what even though i didn't know i didn't know what to ask right Right. you know exactly okay. okay All right, that's fair. And so again, then that, that way I can manage it. And so when it's not going so well, you know, what do you do? So really, w- w- the biggest thing is always being able to speak to it. Um, like, you know, if there is some time where traffic has slowed down just because of the month or the time of the year, we have to understand that. So we also understand the seasonality of the products that we're you know helping to advertise. And if we do have like, you know, a spread, like let's just say two weeks sales went down 
we have to be able to speak to it, but also we encourage that communication to where like if there is an inventory issue, we can recognize, oh, okay, this product is out of stock. That's why the sales are down. But if they're not, we can analyze that data and go into it and see where the impressions dropped off. Then we can look into that specific day, look at the search term reports and see why maybe there was, you know, an increase in the, the uh, competition or someone else came to market and they're really kind of trying to beat down your advertising. You have to be able to speak to it. So it requires that amount of research to bring that to, you know, these biweekly calls that we have to say, hey, we noticed this drop off. Here's what we found. And going forward, we're going to do this to correct it. So you, we come to it knowing the issue, knowing why it happened, and also knowing how to correct it. And it could even be corrected same day sometimes. Hmm. Like sometimes it does just seem that like, you know, this campaign hasn't performed as well. So we're going to start a new one with a different approach or we're going well, to target uh, somebody new came products. into the market or something changed, right? You wouldn't right. know, right? I mean, those things are outside of your control. Well, so biweekly call, what's that about? Yes, yeah, so the biweekly call is awesome. Uh, we, we do these with, with every client that we have. And these are really cool because it allows us to bring forward to them a report that shows the change over time, just like, you know, specifically in the metrics. But also we hit points of what's been done to the account, what wins that we see. Um, if there are any type of, you know, losses that we notice or things that aren't doing as well, we bring those to light and we say like, you know, what the matter is to correct them. And also, you know, if we have some new campaigns that got up and running, we talk about those and talk about how they're doing because we always have that email communication, you know, in between these biweekly calls. And of course we can have calls sooner if there is something urgent that happens. Yeah, but stuff gets lost in email. It's not exactly. as personal. It's not, uh, you know, I want to hear it in your voice. I want confidence. That's what I'm looking exactly. for. Exactly. And I am so huge about that because I want to have that rapport to where like, I can get back on the call and I can say, hey, how's it going? How was your trip last week? Or I saw that you were going to Vegas. Did you enjoy that? Like, I want to have that relationship to where we're not just talking numbers. We actually are an extension of your business and we're able to provide you results that you want and then speak about them openly. Like, we're honest. We work hard to get you what you need and we're going to work as hard as we need to to get you where you want to be as well. Well, you can understand the reason that I wanted to bring Edward on. Um, I mean, he's done a really good job of breaking it down. It, this did not turn into a Seller Labs pitch, which I really appreciate, although they are sponsored. <laughs> and I don't want to downplay them because I, I believe uh, otherwise, you know, we wouldn't have the relationship as long as we've had um, in what you guys do. Um, and it's phenomenal. But I think you've done a really good job of presenting this information. So I'm going to pitch the Seller Labs stuff now and say, if you want more information on this, you need to check out sellerlabs.com forward slash ignite. Okay, just go there. I'm going to charge anything. You don't have to register. You're going to see a couple of their big sponsors. Mike from Deathwish Coffee. He's going to be coming on the show shortly. Yeah. Vermont Teddy Bear, massive companies. And, and what they've been able to do and what they can do for you or just – just go there and learn. Be a lurker and learn and understand this stuff and get to the place where, you know, um, you need uh, you need to bring on that team member. That's what we all would hope for is that you're getting so busy and so big that you, you need to bring on a team member. And then, of course, Seller Labs would be the right. I, that's who I would recommend. It's 100 percent who I yes. recommend. Um, <laughs> I always say that. Um, so uh, you're not always uh, making pitches, uh, Edward. You're available. If somebody has a follow up question. Is that can I can I stick that out there? Yeah, yeah, you can definitely do that. Um, you know, I, I use LinkedIn a lot. I'll be honest with you. Okay. Uh, LinkedIn is great because also I'm starting to put the content that I do there as well. So you can hear like, you know, other podcasts I've done, other even just training videos and webinars. I'm putting them there. And that's also great just for, you know, future education. Uh, we're doing some now where we're talking about, you know, advertising as a whole that you may find interesting. We have some more basic ones. Um, so that's really the best. It's just Edward Ruffin. Uh, you'll find me on there. 
And you can also message me on there as well. It's going to be the easiest way just so that way I can forward you to other places as well. And of course, from there, we can follow up by email if we need to as well. And I'll be more than happy to help you out. And also, you can there's actually a contact form, I believe, on solarlabs.com uh, for the managed services too that you can do as well. Dude, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know how busy you are. Um, it really, you know, you've really taken me a lot further in my knowledge. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things that I'm sitting here saying, huh, about my campaigns. And I'm like, huh. Hey, thank <laughs> well, no, you so I love much. It. I right, love man. it. Thank you so much. This is what I love talking about. I could do this all day if I had the time. You're, I promise. You're nerd, <laughs> you're I know. Dog. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Take care. Thank you. What a great guy. Um, again, this is why Seller Labs is doing so well because they're hiring guys like this and they're giving them. You know, they're basically saying, all right, here's some more rope. Go ahead. Learn, learn, learn. Do more, do more, do more. Take it as far as you want to go. And you can hear the enthusiasm in his voice. I mean, he was, you know, in the pre-call and afterwards, we're both pretty pumped after that call because it's cool stuff. And it's exciting when you're helping other people have success and you get to see it and you get a little piece of it, you know, uh, a little piece of their success. You get to be part of it. It's a pretty cool thing. I mean, it's, you know, that, that reward system we all need. And I think he did a great job with it. And he did a really good job of explaining a pretty complicated thing. And I think he made it really easy to understand. Reach out to him um, if you need. And again, I have those links for his LinkedIn there. Reach out to me if you can, if you need some help and uh, I can connect you with them too. Ecommercemomentum.com, ecommercemomentum.com. Take care. Thanks for listening to the e-commerce momentum podcast. All the links mentioned today can be found at ecommercemomentum.com under this episode number. Please remember to subscribe and like us on iTunes.